You know what I think, Song? I think it bothers you that I finally found something I'm good at. I think you should shut up and let go of me right now. Son, why are you acting like I did something? I new? said let go of me. Fine. Alright, let's see what you got, Hunter. No. No, no, Corey, you don't want to give this. Yeah, I do. <laughs> Hunter Matthews? Did you guys know you were fighting each other? When the spawn is When the spawn meets What up, bros? What up, bros? Really? <laughs> well, I mean we're we're taking it down to the low to the to the trailer park this episode. Oh, so we are taking it down. You gotta to put trailer. on your, your trailer gang voice. Okay. Is that how you would approach it? I mean, I <laughs> I, I don't run into too many trailer gangs myself per se. But that's uh, how I intend to. Do not quit your day job. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everyone, this is Bra Meets World. From this Bra Meets World. Your boy Meets World fan cast. Welcome to episode 63. Uh, Flamingo Kid. Yeah, honestly, this episode, the moment it started, I was like, oh, we are going places. I was so excited to see that we were going to have an episode that was going to focus on Sean and his background, his family, his history, all that shit. I also, Sean and Corey. We haven't really totally. gotten a Corey and Sean storyline lately. Like, a lot of it has been, like, the fringe of the two of them, but it hasn't really focused on their dynamic in a while. And there was so much, like about like class oh god in this in this episode that i just really thought was really well done of class and privilege i just thought there was a lot really absolutely and honestly like we'll get into it later but can you think of because i really tried can you think of another show that honestly deals with class like class disparity in this way in a teen tv show I no, it's it's. I actually thought the same thing. Um, and my note I have like, can you think of another show that one of the main characters lives in a trailer park? Yeah. And this idea that like maybe your fr- your best friend isn't the one who lives in the same street as you in the same neighborhood as you because Absolutely. on television that's always seemed to be the case. Everyone's in the same neighborhood. Everyone's from the same economic uh, class. Everyone's parents make either the exact same amount of money because like I think about like. Roseanne, yeah, for example, where it's like they are working class, but like everyone's working everyone's class, working class yeah. you know what I mean. And then you have like the guest who comes in who makes money, um, but for the most part, television doesn't really show you friends from two different economic status, unless it's like Gossip Girl, where the whole storyline is sure. poor boy enters rich world, fish out of water, yeah. Fresh Prince of Bel Air, absolutely OC, all that shit, yeah. But like to just be where it's like, no, we're friends, and that's the main thing. But at the exact same time, maybe your parents are on food stamps, or maybe your dad lost his job this month, and all that stuff. I only really think of Boy Meets World who's ever done that consistently yeah consistently um and i just think they do such a great job with um 
showing how Sean is trying, why he's trying to leave this environment or why he doesn't go back home very often mm -hmm. or just any of those things. Like what he's getting, like what Corey's relationship is honestly does for his life and the, how he strategically has put him in a place where he's surrounded by people who are going to encourage him to be better versus this alternative Sean that had he stayed in the trailer park, he could have became part of this trailer game. So that's really funny because what I saw about this episode was the reminders of how fond Sean is of this this part of himself, but then also how much he needs to isolate it in order to be involved in Corey's world. Right. No, I <laughs> felt such an understanding with Sean of this, and I feel like all people from when you're go when you're going from one I don't know tax bracket to another or whatever yes. like that. I have fond memories of the way I grew, grew up. Yeah, right? absolutely. Like, I think of it as being this amazing time. But would I purposely now choose to go and live on the same blocks that I lived when I was growing up? I don't know that I would make that choice again. Absolutely. So I think there is this, 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 uh, this fight inside of Sean to not want to lose his, his family and his past, but also recognizing that that's not the healthiest place for him. Absolutely. And I'm just saying, like, I'm really excited to get into this episode yeah. because I'm thinking, for me, it always comes back to Chet and what Chet means Dude, Chet is to such Sean. an important part of the show. And I just, I'm so excited that at the idea of him playing a bigger role because whenever he gets involved, Sean just has revelations. And it's just, it's really interesting to see. Um, should we pause before we go any further and jump into the uh, roll call? Um, before we do that, let's do some tell me about it. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> I, I, I was ready to jump headfirst into this episode. All right, let's do tell me um, about it. Um, yeah, why don't you tell us about it? This is season three, episode 17, The Flamingo Kid. Flamingo While filming a video for Sean, Corey catches some criminals red-handed and wants to enter a TV news contest, but Sean objects and destroys the tape. In a B storyline, a money-hungry Eric attempts to find valuable objects among his parents' old junk. Let's just do the B storyline really quickly so we can just get through it. Do we? Oh wait, but do we even have any new characters in the B storyline? Um, so, in the B storyline, we don't really have any new characters, but we do have new characters in the A storyline. Yeah, totally. So that's why I said let's just do B storyline and just get. That's through fine. It. Um, Eric. Cleans the house. He <laughs> tries to sell some junk. He ends up making money off of one thing and ends up being Feeney's. He gives it back to Feeney. The end. Boring. Whatever. Yeah, absolutely. It's just, it, I will say it's consistent with Eric's character of his get-rich-quick schemes, which they've kind of shown uh, repeatedly. And then also the whole trope of Eric doing work thinking that he is... Actually, like, you know, he thinks he's taking advantage of the system when, in fact, the system's taking advantage As of useless as I thought Eric was in this episode, I have to say, this has one of my all-time favorite Boy Meets World jokes. Which is? Where Eric is, he's at, he's at the uh, kitchen table and he's telling his parents about his scheme, right? Uh-huh. And he's like, you know, Mr. Feeney uh, got all this money for his old junk. And then I, I, I thought to myself, I said, Kyle. And I was like, <laughs> Kyle? <laughs> like, that's what I call myself. Kyle, what <laughs> And honestly, like, dude, that shit made me laugh so much harder than it should have when I watched it. Absolutely the same. You're right. That's hilarious. I don't know why. Also, I will say that Eric did the right thing because Eric technically 
had no responsibility to give Feeney the money back. No. Because he cleaned out, his agreement with his parents was that he would clean out the attic. Anything that was in there, he could sell and it would be his. The fact that Feeney came later and was like, hey, Alan and Amy, that thing that I asked you to hold on to, his parents didn't remember, that is strictly his parents' problem. Also, I feel like this joke would have been better served had the episode started with Feeney giving Amy a box of old junk. Like, why are you throwing this in in the ninth ending? Like, yeah, what are you doing here? I'll give you that. I'll give you that as well. Um, yeah, the B storyline was trash as far as I'm concerned. Oh, uh, but you could get money off of it. Um, <laughs> this, is, this is ridiculous. <laughs> okay. Um, but I just wanted to acknowledge it, as, as always. We did have fun with it, and it is fun to... Give Eric and uh, kind of our supporting characters some time. Totally. Um, A storyline. Yes. So going back into this, I, we open up with um, two things that I think are really important. One, Corey and his video camera again. Which I've mentioned before is totally a thing. You have. And again, I'm always reminded, it's like, why don't we see Koi pursue this? Well, you know what? I actually found the answer to that question during really? this episode. Because it occurred to me that the last time we saw Corey in his video camera was when Janitor Bud got fired. Oh, so Corey's just like, you know what? Every time I try. <laughs> well, literally, like, in this episode, he tries to get Sean's brother arrested. In a future episode, he's doing, like, this, like, real-world thing with, like, the college roommates guys, and he's, like, overly in their business, and it's he's taking it too far, and and so, like, there just seems to be this thing that every time Corey gets a camera, he excels, but he turns into an asshole, and his friends hate him. I think turns into is yes, one of those things right. that we need to discuss, because yeah. this episode had me be like, Corey is an entitled piece of shit. Totally. 100%. Like, this episode shows how much of an asshole Corey is. And just how unempathetic he is to Sean's circumstances. How he really does feel like he's, like, Sean's almost a charity case. Sean destroys the video to his father, who we know means everything to him, in order to protect and Corey still wanted an apology. <laughs> Get out of here with that shit. Oh my god, I honestly could. But all right, so there was that. But then also we open up with the phone call to chat. And yes, first time we've seen, heard his name for a while. I have to say it is the first time. And then also it reminds us that as far as Sean is concerned, he's still temporary. Sean is still waiting for his dad to return. And still believing his bullshit that he's on Air Force One with Bill Clinton kicking back and chilling. So I actually, I, I'm i glad you brought that up because I did write down, I was like, what if Chet really was with the president? What if Chet is a secret agent? And this is what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. What if Chet is a secret agent and Chet has this cover where Every time he tells us something, he's telling us the truth, but because it's chat and it's so absurd, it's just like, That's an whatever, show. right? That's an interesting show. I, Is that I'd not like that. a crazy twist to this? Yeah, that's... that's <laughs> Wow, okay. <laughs> I thought you might enjoy that. And then I was just like, it was... It, because Chet just always has these ridiculous excuses as to why he can't do something. And I know it's supposed to be played for comedic value, but I was like, wouldn't it be nice if Chet was honestly telling us the truth? And because of who he is, we just assume it's, like, nonsense. I hate to play this card. 
But it seems to me that based on like relationships like this and the one I saw in big the movie Big Fish, yeah, where it's just like you know what? Sometimes dad's lies are okay. Sometimes dad's lies are excusable because when you're six, yeah, and it's just like this is a this is a thing that I feel like it's an incredibly irresponsible to just like just be like no it's okay that he's lying about being on air force one with the president like it's not okay like you could be truthful and which be is why i think i want him to yeah like in some way be telling the truth um uh, what i did love was like sean just not wanting to get off the phone with his dad yeah. and just seeing that like this conversation actually really meant a lot to him it, it, it surprised me because i was like wow i know we're in the 90s because like they're comfortable just, like, chatting on the phone yeah. for a while. But also, Sean is, what, 15, 16? Yeah. He, I'm, he's a kid. He's a kid who loves and admires his father. And every so often when we get a Sean-centric episode, he says, like my dad always says, which shows you how much reverence he gives to Chet. And I think that... Something that we don't really give enough credit for, and I think you and I have identified before, is how important it is for Chet to be this charismatic character. Totally. Because every single time Chet is brought up, I think to myself, I love that guy. 100%. But every single time that Chet is on screen or referred to, you reminded his that he's actions a piece of shit. are terrible. Also, like, I, and you know what? I feel like Chet gets a lot of crap, but, like, Verna ain't around either, y'all. Verna isn't around, but I think that we give, we give Chet so much crap because he does check in, but it's, like, it's clear that he is gaslighting Sean. Yeah. Verna left, and as much as we don't like that, at least Verna is, like, committed to who she is. She's not constantly giving... Sean, this false hope. You know I, what I mean, mean, I hate to break the news, but actually in season four, we learned that his mom writes him a letter every day. What? Little spoiler. I'll uh, put money God. in the drawer. God in the drawer, damn but it. I just wanted to throw that out there. Damn it, Verna. <laughs> I was rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. <laughs> all right. Um, but yeah, I just think that it's really important because, again, Chet being who he is, Every time we bring up Chet, I feel like I go into this uh, monologue about how important he is to Sean and how important it is that Chet be someone who we ourselves are constantly willing to forgive. Totally. Because it's like, I, I just, I want to you, like him. Yeah, I want to like you. Mm. And it makes it that much harder when you disappoint us and we're not your kid. So I can't imagine what it's like to actually be your kid. Well, this episode does a fantastic job of asking the question, well, if Sean's dad and his mom weren't around, what family does he have around? Exactly. And we're introduced to his family. And I have a question for you. Um, Sean's family is a very interesting critique on the lower class, is it not? Well, Sean's entire family are criminals. Now, like, okay, and that's, that's what wasn't clear to me. Are we to understand... That Sean's family specifically comes from a family that is very involved with crime, or are they trying to say that people in trailer parks are the kind of people that live that lifestyle? I think that it's one of those things where correlation is not causation. However, 90s television does like to link 
with if you live in a trailer park is is because you haven't gotten your act together enough to live in a house. Every person that we see presented in that trailer park is a criminal down to the child. Yeah. it, it's, Everyone in Sean's family needs to be blacked out because now they, this are shit in, was... they are either in witness protection or they don't want their face revealed. And I thought that, I, I'm with you, where it's like, the TV show, as much as I want to give it credit for at least acknowledging sure. the class differences, they do say that everyone who's in this trailer park is a criminal. And kind of like the same thing happens with uh, My Name is Earl. Mm. I don't know if you mm. saw that show. Um... I loved that show when it was out. But my name is Earl. Everyone in the trailer park are criminals. And it kind of says this duality of you need to be a criminal in order to survive at this level of poverty. But at at the same time, you're a criminal, so it's kind of your fault. I didn't get any of those nuances from this show specifically. And that's what I'm saying. There, And it really leaves the door open for some really not great stuff. It, it's interesting because uh, I thought there was a lot of just, like, nuances in this. Like, Uncle Mike tells a joke about their grandpa getting picked up. And Sean says, oh, by the police? And he goes, nope, by the tornado. <laughs> and everyone laughs because they're like, yeah, you're right. There are multiple ways that someone in the trailer park would get in trouble. Ha, ha, ha. Their circumstances are so funny. Like, that's really, like, it's it's a comment. Like, the that joke itself is like, you thought that he got picked up for this reason, but it was actually this reason, both of which are plausible due to this person's life circumstances. Absolutely. Let's just go through a couple of the things that they say in this episode about Sean's family. Uh, first of all, Sean's like, it'll be like court TV, but without the court, once Corey agrees to film them. Their family motto is, I didn't we didn't do, do it. it. We didn't do it. Exactly. Um, they have to record from an undisclosed location. You know what? So it's just they like, have to chain modulate voices. They're recording in the shadows. They're, exactly. they're having a lawyer speak on behalf of the grandmother. <laughs> <laughs> Which, again, all are funny beats, but it does, it just links that. It would be different if we showed that the entire trailer park weren't the problem, but Sean's family were the problem characters in this particular tra- trailer park. But that's not what we do. What we say is people in trailer parks are criminals, and this is their daily lives. And... I don't, I'm with you, I don't love it. But at the exact same time, we just get so little of it. I kind of still admire the fact that we have a character who comes from this world who doesn't want to be there, but also doesn't hate it. He really, really loves his family, and family means the most to him. Yeah, I I 100% agree. This whole uh, story, the heart of it really comes down to Sean being torn between these two worlds. Um, I want to talk to you about the revelation of Sean's first surprise brother. Okay, so that would involve us doing our roll call, which we only really have one big person in this roll call, who is Maury Sterling, who plays Eddie Hunter. Yes. We also get the return of Uncle Mike, but we've seen Uncle Mike before. Um, and I love Uncle Mike. He's a very fun character, but we've seen him, so... I just wanted to acknowledge him. 100%. But Eddie Sterling, who turns out to be, A, a more modern version of Griff. Again. It seems to be, yes. Um, which you would expect for Sean to have a better relationship with Griff. 
if that's the case. Well, and this also bugs me out because we later learn that uh, Frankie the Enforcer also lives in the same trailer park, furthering the top the idea that everyone in trailer in the trailer park is a criminal, but also the idea that. No, no, I, I'm sorry. That that was my point. I was trying to make. <laughs> I was trying to show everyone in the trailer park is a criminal. But no, that you're right. He should have a better relationship with these people that he grew up around. I Absolutely, at saying, least but. like even or some acknowledgement of. But totally. again, it's like you can tell that they just kind of made this work as it as it happened. Um, but let's talk about Eddie a little bit. Eddie, I feel like is supposed to be everything that Sean would have became if he if he didn't have Corey. I will say I was I was surprised when he was like, Oh, that's my brother. Because I hadn't seen this in a while and yeah. I was like, Oh, that I was not expecting that. I expected them to be like, Oh, we grew up together, we're really close, this is my cousin even. I did not expect This is the second episode in which Sean has a sibling out of pure convenience for the story that we never hear of again. The first one was the sister in the yeah. hair episode. Exactly. Um, but I think that also knowing Chet again, it's like Knowing yes. what we know about Chet, makes all of sense. this makes sense, and it's another thing that, for television reasons, and because of his charisma, we just pass by. But imagine this. Sean is constantly, constantly finding out about half-siblings that he has. He has no true, like... Try Home base. Yeah. He's just really just lost and floating in the wind in a lot of ways, and it's it's really interesting to meet members of his family and to see that he prefers Corey over them. Like he prefers Corey over his own brother in a lot of ways. So um I just I, I thought this was a great like microscope on a character that we all thought we knew really well. Yes. And then we actually learned even more about them in ways that made them more interesting. I would argue it's that goes both ways. Because again, the way that Corey is Yes, I want to talk about Corey in this episode. Yeah, because Corey literally does not hesitate once he sees that Sean... That he captured some footage of Sean's half-brother um, with a stolen computer. Yes. He immediately is like, I'm going to make a profit off of this. Sean's like, hey, why don't we not involve this? You told me that this was just going to be for me as a, as a, as a yeah. favor for me, for my dad that you know that I miss. Mm-hmm. Let's not make this about you, essentially. Mm-hmm. And once Corey gets flabbergasted and it's just like i can't believe this how dare you not make me use this however i want yeah um the reason i'm bringing this whole bullshit up is because i think that they brought up a very interesting topic of who is the owner of content Ooh. The, the person who produces the content or the subject of the content so like for a documentary you are filming a, a piece of content but that your content is my life Absolutely. So who really owns that? And so I just thought that was a really interesting question in the middle of all these other interesting dilemmas of just like that relationship of... Let's talk about that for a moment because I feel that unless you've signed a waiver mm-hmm. uh, and specifically because this is supposed to be for personal use, I don't see them as signing a waiver for anything. I mean, and mind you, they had a lawyer there. So I feel like this was agreed to be something that they recorded as a personal gift to Chet and any use of that footage outside of their approval could be seen as a violation of their privacy. 
I'm, I'm so sorry. As you were saying that, I just thought of another time that which Corey had the camcorder <laughs> where he perpetuated a rumor that him and Topanga had yeah. slept together. Again, Corey this guy is, is dangerous with the camera. Yeah, but he also has a passion with it, which I just, I wish that either we got an episode where Corey realizes, hey, with great power comes great responsibility. 100%. You know what I mean? Or where Corey being like, you know what? I don't like who I am behind the camera. Yeah, because, I mean, he physically fights Sean over this. He fights Sean. He fights Sean. Yeah. And, again... Like, this is their first, like, This is, like, fight, their right? first physical fight. And I love the little bit of comedy of, like, them fighting and <laughs> Turner and Eli coming and being like, did you guys know you were fighting each other? Like, yeah. that, that bit was really funny. Also, this is another part where Corey calls Sean trailer trash. Yeah. And it's, we see that there's a huge moment later on in the seasons where he does that. But it kind of shows that Sean loves Corey. But Corey kind of does see Sean as someone... Inferior. Inferior. Because he feels him as a white, middle-class, straight man feels no amount of guilt or remorse in making a profit from the sadness of his friend who is in a lower income or in a different circumstance in life. It's the typical I want to, why can't I? And yes. it's like, I, you can't because it'll hurt me. I don't me. care if it's in the rap song. You can't say it. <laughs> exactly. But I want to. And for some reason, me telling you that the personal relationship that I have with you, you doing it will make me feel bad is not enough. And I think that that, that is a whole other issue that I would love to discuss because I feel like that is that is something that like like you just wrote up the n word and I think that that's something that I love to bring up when it's just like when white people are like why can't I say it I was like why do you want to say it you know what that word means you know how it makes people feel you know the history of it and when I tell you don't say it around me when your reaction is why not? It's like, I just asked you not to. What more do you need? Like, it's not like I went up to everyone and used a megaphone and said, never say it again. Usually it's a one-on-one -on -one conversation. And I said, don't say it. So why do you need me to go any further than that? It's, it's this feeling of entitlement. I'm just, I want to, so I should. Um, it's really interesting, too, how um, the show kind of tackles... Uh, class in this interesting way because I feel like Corey has no idea what it's like when someone in your family is into some shady shit but you have to love them anyway. I don't know that he understands that dilemma yet. And well, I've never say been introduced. Grandma. Well, I mean grandma is just a flake, but she's not like into crime. Well, like, she remember grandma talked about possibly killing a guy and all this other stuff, but I just, what I'm thinking is it it's that age-old tale of when you're rich you're a, you're eccentric you know what i mean it's yeah. just like when you have money she's just seen as like a kooky character but when you don't have money it's like oh this is a problem and yeah. and Cor sorry yeah Corey sees it differently because all Corey sees is they're committing crimes which to be fair they are but you don't get like what do you get out of turning them in you don't yeah. get anything but this story. And by the way, if that's the only story you have, then you're not a good journalist. <laughs> also, 
you specifically told everyone on that tape that gave you permission to record them that this would only be seen by one person and you're going to send that tape to the cops what yes. are you doing bro absolutely and it's really interesting like i i kind of wish they would have made it more about Corey um just not understanding the dynamics of sean's life yeah. more than Sean trying to protect Corey from getting hurt. Well, it's Because a, there is this uh, this this element of Sean just like, where Corey's being just a total dick to Sean, like, even after, like, fighting. And Sean's just like, hey, man, I don't want you to get hurt. Yeah. Which I was just like, man, maybe he, he should get his ass whooped and maybe he'll learn more. Well, no, like, here's the thing. I understand that because it, it goes back to Sean being the friend. Sean being committed to Corey and not even doing so because he needs something from Corey, but just he values his relationship with Corey so much. And Corey being, again, this self-centered, self-entitled individual who doesn't for half a second consider it from his friend's side. Again, yeah. I, for me, the key to this was when Sean destroyed the tape. Mm. And I was like, this was for his dad, who, by the way, abandoned him to go across country. I don't even think Sean would know where to send the tape, to be honest. Well, the, but what I'm going with is he recorded this for his dad, who abandoned him. So you know that neither of his parents are around. He went and, and asked... And you know that this family is not recording a second one. Exactly. His family agreed to be in this video for this, for the gift of Sean. For Sean to be able to give his father a gift. By the way, Sean hasn't been able to tell his father happy birthday because his father was so preoccupied doing his own thing, living his own life. So this Sean's was something. Is so sad. This it's really sad and it's tragic. And Sean asked you to help him do this thing, and you saw an opportunity. And instead of just listening to your friend or actually discussing it with him and being upset and all this other stuff, you literally fought him for it and didn't take into account. That it was so important to him that you not do this, that he destroyed the one thing that started all of this. The one re he's destroyed his opportunity to reach out to his father so you wouldn't expose who turns out to be his brother. Totally. Yeah. I just, again, that says so much. And it's not even, to me, it's not even a concept that is like above like an adult and like you know like no one can really get i feel like any teenager would be equally selfish but at the exact same time the moment your friend does something like this there would be someone who sets Corey down and be like did you think about it from sean's perspective sure for half of a second and he and i think that's the biggest takeaway from me is just that Corey really doesn't have a world view that's that's able to comprehend the, the lives of people who haven't had the same experiences as him. Corey doesn't learn a lesson in this episode. No. Sean does. He almost learned the lesson before Sean came in <laughs> to stop him. Sean flies in like fucking Batman to stop this fight. I don't know if you know this. He literally jumps from the roof of a trailer to just come down and just be like, nah, Eddie, you're not going to kick his ass today. I love it. Wait for it. Yeah. Wait for it. And now I intervene. <laughs> it's just, it was, it was kind of funny. And the, I don't know. Anything else about this episode? Well, yeah, I do think that um, the whole thing that Sean says where he's like, well, a few things. One, there's the, you can count on your family. 
Um, but and then you don't have to be blood to be family. The Matthews are your family. Well, yeah, and I feel like Sean is the one who learns the lesson in this episode of you know the the family you choose, yeah, so to speak. Absolutely. Um, but it, I think it's just sad to me that it's not. Corey's Corey should be the one that learns the lesson. Corey's the asshole. Sean has no lesson to learn. He didn't do anything wrong. All he learned was just that sometimes you got to choose your friends over your family. And I'm just like, sometimes your friends are dicks and they need to apologize. And I mean, and it's again, I feel like we would handle this episode of this topic with a little bit more nuance now if we were to do like a a, a series version of this. But it's really, I just always go back to the idea that. Corey doesn't get any moment where people are like, hey, man, think about the consequences of your actions and what you're doing. Yeah. Instead, we have this idea of Sean being like, hey, my life is better off with the Matthews than it is with the people who I'm actually blood related to. And I could have gone down a stark path, but I chose not to. And it kind of just pats Corey on the bat you know yeah. what i mean and just like it, it gives him a pass for all of this but i really would have liked it if either sean or eli or someone were to J- jonathan usually is the one to be like hey Corey, as much as you feel entitled to this your friend your best friend you were a willing to throw away that decade-long friendship over a story that wasn't paid, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I just really don't know what he hoped would come from this video because Eli doesn't even say like that there's a prize or any sorts or that you're guaranteed a scholarship or anything. Well, he does say if you win, you've made it. Yeah, but that, it's just so vague. It's yeah. just like there's not like a a, a a bag to put in Corey's eyes. Like I just wish they would have made it more tangible for him. Otherwise, you're right. None of this seems to be motivated by anything. The only other thing that I do have is that um. To be fair, Corey was winning the fight. <laughs> I was like, I don't, like, and maybe it was because Sean was being passive and didn't want to fight Corey in the first place, but yeah. Corey was winning that fight from what I saw. Yeah, I think I think it was just, again, Corey promoted this fight and he <laughs> walked away scot-free I, to, to I, be Corey. Yeah, I just think that I, I just want Alan or Amy or someone to be like, dude, this is your friendship with Sean. Yeah. And it's over something that Sean asked you not to do, and then later on you find out it's his brother. So, yeah. Yeah, totally. All right, anything else that you have for this episode? Um, I I mean, I, again, I, I, really like, I really enjoy learning about Sean's family, but I think, if anything, this episode makes me more excited for just Chet to come back. Like, because I think I realize that there is... There's more story to tell with Sean's family and with Chet and and uh, Sean than there is with Sean and Turner. And I think they're, they are preparing us for Sean to leave Turner, which is why we haven't seen a lot of bonding with him lately. I really wish it was the opposite. I really wish they would have gotten really close and it would have been this really emotionally charged moment when Sean leaves where he's like, I'm, I'm really close with you, but I want to live with my dad and all this, because now I don't feel like they have any relationship. Yeah, so. I, I agree. It's like, again, the fact that we get such limited interaction. I mean, like, we open up with Sean over um, Jonathan, you know, Sean at, at Jonathan's place, but I agree that we could be spending this time really bonding and, 
and getting to be a more father-son dynamic. And I also would just like, I'm good with one-story episodes. I would much rather you just give me a strong A story than fill in a bunch of B story bullshit. Because as much as fun as Eric's like get rich scheme was, is is it so different than his magazine scam or no, any of his other baseball? And I agree. Scam? I feel like again, it's it's a a result of the '90s storytelling where we had to do 23 episodes so we're gonna just constantly figure out a way to keep these people in contract whereas now with different shows and shorter seasons i feel like we would have no problem dedicating an entire episode to just three characters if we needed I would to love it. you know what i mean all right so um i do have a bruh moment what's your bruh moment my bruh moment is when Corey matthews shucks and jives with mr williams that was mine way. Come on, give me some. Give me some. I was like, oh. On the black hand side. <laughs> and Eli was like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> it's just like, where are these kids? Because Philadelphia, I'm sure. I don't, and maybe there are parts that are just like really segregated, as is the case in suburb, uh, sur- suburbia. Suburbia. Um, but yeah, I just thought that was just absurd. So. It, well, it is absurd to be fair. And then also, um, but I mean, but like also we all know white people who are like, Hey, I'm cool. I'm with it. And you're like, Hey, I don't know why you said either of those words. <laughs> and B. Eli has never acted like that. So never. what's the joke? Oh, because that's how black people talk. Like that's the joke. Exactly. And so it's really racially insensitive and, the fact that Eli just kind of, like, moves on from it says a lot about, again, how white people just have to be like, sorry, how black people just have to be like, okay, moving on. Yeah. <laughs> moving on. Yeah, moving on. Um, that was my bro moment as well. How, uh, grade, what grade are you giving us? Um, you know what? I'm going to give this episode a B plus. I like that we got to flesh out Sean's character more. I like that we didn't waste this episode on investing in characters like... Larissa Olenek or her aunt or whatever, just like these side characters that don't matter. Um, and again, just like Chet being involved in the storyline, I think always is going to lead to richer storytelling. So I agree. Okay, uh, I'm giving this episode just a B. Okay, I felt like it wasn't B plus worthy. It was a great idea, but as you said, we could have done without the Eric storyline completely. Um, Corey was an asshole, and we don't at any point in time really address that fact um with him particularly are there any women with talking roles in this oh wait no amy says <laughs> let eric clean yeah but i think that's pretty much all we get that's it and yeah. that's what i'm saying and we haven't seen topanga in like two or three episodes right yeah. two two at least uh she's in the next one but yeah no. i'm just saying like i know we didn't see her last week no. so yeah so again this was a b episode like and that's b for effort um, sure. It could have been handled a lot better, but overall, I love the topics that we brought up, and I love that Boy Meets World constantly does not. It does not detract from the fact that Sean comes from a working class family, totally, and his experience is different from Corey's, and I just honestly don't think we get that enough. I would love to see more storylines where like a friend more than one episode is just like hey man i don't have it well i have to tell you in my treasured upcoming season four 
there is a Thanksgiving episode between Sean's family and Corey's family that gets a very class focus, and I'm Ooh. very excited to watch that with you. Interesting. Okay. Uh, homework. You got. Um, my homework is going to be. Um, I have watched Hunchback of Notre Dame on <laughs> Disney Plus. Okay. Um, I showed this to my girlfriend for the first time. I feel like I may have actually recommended this movie in a, in a podcast episode before. I mean, live your life. But I, the reason I'm watching it, <laughs> I'm watching it with new eyes because my girlfriend had never seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that movie is to me like such an interesting piece of like art because obviously we know Disney has this really like rocky past. Like we were talking about Song of the South earlier. Yeah. Um, but Hunchback is just this movie that's like, fuck it. We're just going to make an animated film for adults and uh, we're going to have the main bad guy be an old white judge who is sexually fantasizing about a woman that he's prosecuting. And uh, he is going to uh, set the whole city on fire to burn gypsies. And just like, uh, who is a monster? Who is a man? It's just really interesting topics in this Trump area era yeah. that we're living in. Um, that I think is uh, worth diving into. But do not watch it with children because the entire time you will feel very uncomfortable. So... Okay, well, thanks. Thanks for that. Um, so, my homework is... Uh, I do not think I've shared him before. If I have, please forgive me. But, you know, it's always nice to visit favorites. And I say that because he is one of my favorites. It's this YouTube comedian named Michael Henry. Mm-hmm. And he does a lot of LGBT-centric um, comedy. But dude is hilarious. If you have any relations to the LGBT community or if you know about their lifestyles or anything like that uh it's very true to life he's a great writer um he has a really big fan base as a youtuber um but i i just cannot recommend him enough and i don't want to give what's his name again is michael henry michael henry and he is a great writer and i like i just want him to be known by more people because i feel like he deserves to be writing for people other than just you. Sure. And his comedic timing and the um, just understanding that he has of both his platform and what users want, I just think is it's very interesting. And I'll share a couple of his videos. But yeah, Michael Henry, I'm giving a shout out to because, man, uh, he gets it. And I really enjoy him. Dope. Dope. All right, so uh, thank you guys for listening to our episode. Uh, remember, you can find us on all the places. Um, remember to give us a rating. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Extra Siege at X T R A C E E J T C. You can find me at the Braver Me at dot Braver dot Me. Also, you can find us on all these places I didn't mention it earlier at world at gmail.com or at world on Facebook, Twitter, and all the places. And once again, we want to encourage you guys, if you enjoy this podcast, um, to maybe check out our second podcast, Movie Makeover, um, also available on your streaming services. Streaming services. Okay, uh, remember to dream. To try! And do better than Corey. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like that's bare minimum. I mean, but still, do it. <laughs> we can only hope. All right. Um, later, bros. Later, bros.